Welcome to Asray Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we welcome DJ Bornshine and Jamie Nichols, the dynamic duo behind Asray Park's own Cat Sanctuary Cafe, Catsray Park. We talked to DJ and Jamie about how Catsray Park came to be, its plans for the future, and how even though COVID has closed the cafe, Catsbury's rescue services are busier than ever and still need your support. Welcome, DJ and Jamie. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Their interviews always hit the mark. So subscribe to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Be informed, don't be in the dark. Everybody listen to Asbury Park. I mean, pod. Everything you need to know. Brought to you by Amy and Joe. If you're local, they're the pod for you. But Bennies are welcome and Shoebies too. From Route 35 to Convention Hall, it's very pod. Covers it all as Berry Pod. I love you. I love you. It's March 14th. Uh, we want to welcome everybody back to Asbury Pod. We want to do Cat's Berry Take Two. Um, so I hope we get, because I, I, just so the listeners know, we had some sound issues, but I, I tried to write down like some of the stuff that we asked last time because you guys had such like really, really interesting stories and, and all about spay and neuter and all about Catsbury. So I am Amy Quinn. Uh, Joe Walsh. And I'm going to just also preface that um, my wife's not home and my five-year-old is. So this, I may be <laughs> muted a lot. Well, we have that, cats running around, the Catsbury Park people and kids <laughs> running around your house. So. And Jamie and DJ, will you guys do an intro? Sure. Sure. Um, so I- so- Oh, you go, DJ. You go, DJ. <laughs> okay, so uh, my name is DJ, and I am the founder and president of Catsbury Park. And my name's Jamie. Um, I come all the way from Australia. I moved uh, to Asbury Park all the way from down under. I left the kangaroos and the koalas back home and came here to rescue cats. Um, and also, so this is our Catsbury, too. So I know your background, but you both come from music. DJ, yeah. you just you have to tell everybody again how the cat cafe came up. So, we, why, so the the premise we had talked about in the last episode that we couldn't air is that uh, you know how did Catsbury Park come about? I mean, it seems like a crazy idea, right? you know, to have. So, where did you get the idea? That it's like well, I'm going to have a cat a cafe, but with cats, and which is a great idea, but uh, yeah. Know. So, um, I um, worked in the music industry my entire life. I went to college for two weeks and dropped out to go on tour with a band. And I, by the time I was 35, I had never had another job other than working for bands and music. And I had turned it into a, um, you know, when I was 21, it was not really a job. It was just fun. And then by the time I was older, it became an actual job, but I knew I wanted to do something else. 
<clears throat> I was born and raised at the Jersey Shore, uh, Point Pleasant, lived in Bradley in the 90s, Asbury after that. Um, and uh, But I had moved to San Francisco briefly. And at that time, this is probably like 2015, I knew I wanted to do something else outside of the music industry, but I had no idea what that was. Um, I had two cats. I really liked them. I heard about a thing called a cat cafe in Oakland. Um, had much like probably anybody who's listening to this, who's been to Catsbury Park, the first time they heard about it, they're like, what is that? I had no idea what it was. Um, I walked in and visited it and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. It's super cliche to say, but, um, you know, I woke up that morning, not knowing what the next 10 years of my life would look like and went to bed that night with like a pretty clear vision of what I wanted to do. And I knew that Asbury Park was not only the place I wanted to do it, but the only place that I could do it. Like it just made sense. Um, like I said, I had lived in Asbury previous to going to San Francisco. I always knew I would come back and this is like 2014, 15. So it was, you know, we've all seen Asbury try and come back and stutter and try and come back. But at that point it was like, okay, it's here to stay. It's just going to keep growing and let's build on it. It just, it seemed like the right time um, and couldn't be a better town. The right amount of eclectic, the right amount of weird and quirky. And I use all these terms as, you know, terms of endearment. That's what we all love about Asbury Park. Just seemed like it would be receptive to it. No other town would. So, um, I kind of just made the plan to do that. Um, now Jamie gets involved is, okay, there's one thing to have a plan in your head. It's another to actually make it happen. And I didn't really know how to get from the plan in my head to actual um, what Catsbury became. And I knew I needed somebody else to, um, to help me out, to partner up and like make it go. Uh, I had no idea who that was. Um, fast forward to the following summer, and Jamie was visiting from Australia, um, New Jersey, and we met up on the beach. Now, her and I know each other because I worked for 12 years for the Bouncing Souls. I was their stage manager. Um, and Jamie and I met in somewhere in Australia on tour, probably 2006 or seven. I'm going to guess. And then we toured together every two years. Um, every two years I would go to Australia, do an Australian tour and Jamie would be there. So we were friends, but I wouldn't say we were like best pals. Like when the tour was over, we would say goodbye and probably not talk for another two years until the next tour. I mean, we were Facebook friends and things like that. So kind of aware of what each other were doing, but, um, we weren't really close friends, which I think worked out in the end, but, um, <laughs> yeah. we're on the beach talking and Jamie was saying, that she was looking at of getting out of the music industry as well and didn't know what she was going to do, but knew that she wanted to try and move to America. And a light just kind of went off in my head again. And I was like, I don't know, maybe Jamie, Jamie wants to move here. She has no idea what she's going to do for work and I need help. And like, she seems cool enough. Like we've always got along, <laughs> but you know, maybe it's better to not be friends to do this. Not that we weren't friends, but you know, not to be like good pals. And, um, at the time I was fostering a couple kittens. I had just started to kind of build the Catsbury brand out of my house. And I asked her if she wanted to come over and see the kittens that I had. At this point, I didn't know if she liked cats, had cats, hated cats, like what her vibe was at all. I was just thinking like, okay, I'll have her come over, hang out with the kittens, see where it goes. And uh, she came over and instantly was like rolling around on the ground with them and was like, tell me about her cat at home and all these things. And, uh, 
she left and I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, uh, I think maybe I should just ask Jamie to like be my partner. Like, you know, who cares? <laughs> but what's, what's, what do I have to lose? And she's like, yeah, why not do it? And I asked her and she, uh, she said, yeah. And, uh, I'll never forget. She got like her high pitch Australian voice. And she's like, I knew if I decided to move to America, the right thing would have come like fall in my lap. That is the worst and impersonation the- of me ever. <laughs> that wasn't, that's, I wasn't trying to do your accent, but I'm that's not a good, like, a, it was like, I think it sounded pretty good. Like uh, she, uh, yeah. And then, you know, she can tell you her, her version from there, but uh, that's kind of like. So, were you managing bands in Australia, Jamie? Or um, I, I was touring, so I, I was merchandise manager. So I would okay. tour with, I would tour with bands and um, take care of all their t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. My last, it, my last ever show before I moved here actually was with Bruce Springsteen, which was such a funny way to finish in Australia with Bruce and then move to Asbury Park. So where everybody loves Bruce. Everybody. Again, was part of the reason why I I thought Jamie would be good because, you know, my, my role in the music industry was more production, you know, fixing amps, setting up guitars, doing that sort of stuff. But Jamie was more on the admin side of like, you know, she was working for, you know, Katy Perry, Bruce Springsteen, Pink, like huge artists doing stadium tours and managing, huge staff and merchandising and all that stuff and ordering and inventory and all that. And that, that's not my world. I never, you know, I, I never really had a quote unquote it's, real it's job. It's funny before, when, so. when I was doing all that stuff and wanting to leave the music industry, I was like, I, I, I basically did it for 17 years straight out of high school before I was even old enough to be on the road. I was on the road. Um, and I was like, well, no one's ever going to hire me. I don't really have any skill sets. But I quickly realized when I started Catsbury Park that everything that I'd learned on the road just could be the same. I just was swapping band members for cats <laughs> <laughs> and dr- drunk patrons for crazy cat ladies. They're both similarly controllable. <laughs> and I still get to create I still get to create new merchandise and, and think about ways to sell things and be nice to customers and all the things that I'd done and like coordinating and organizing and making other people's visions come to life because people, bands would come to me with ideas about t-shirts and crazy items. I'm like, I don't know. And, but you know, I would figure out. So now DJ comes to me with crazy ideas and <clears throat> I somehow figure out how to yeah. make it Jamie work. Jamie is the best. <laughs> the best. Here's my crazy idea that is impossible. Like I, so I worked for a place called child protective services, which is a God awful job because you investigate child abuse and neglect all the time. And I was, and I did the investigations for the sex abuse unit. I'm not going to take this like podcast down a horrible road, <laughs> but <laughs> the skills from that job are hands down the best skills, far more important skills than going to law school, than going to college, yeah. than yeah. going to high school, because it one gave me a level of compassion. Two, it taught me to de-escalate a situation, or else I was going to get the shit beaten out of me. Because anytime you walk in someone's home and say, "I have to remove your kids," yeah, uh, they get yeah. very, very. So, like this skill set, I, I I learned on that job, and I walked away from that job a um, hundred pounds heavier and on a lot of antidepressants. So that was <laughs> but the skill set I learned on that job has hands down been the best 
skill set. I feel like we as a society just subscribe to this idea of like college and, and yeah, and exactly. Yeah, and I, I did, yeah. I did as well. I always thought, oh man, I've, I kind of, you know, when I was reaching my mid thirties, I was like, oh man, I've really screwed myself over doing this for the last 15, 16 years because I didn't go to college and now I've got no real resume because, you know, all I can list is 150 bands that I've worked for, but in the real world, I didn't think anyone would take me seriously. And then <laughs> I figured out that real world, world experiences are, are far more valuable than any college degree that I could have had to, to run a cat cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, similarly, same for me. I always thought like, you know, it's, I, I liked what I did, but I knew I needed to get Business out of it. Business school would have told us not to do this. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know how to get out of what I was doing into something else because I'm in my 30s. I never did anything other than yeah. set up guitar amps for my whole life. But you know, it's, it's the same exact thing. That being, you know, in charge of a stage in front of 45,000 Germans and having 10 minutes to set up the whole show. And if something goes wrong, you got to fix it before it even breaks having that skill set and just that, like, you know, we're good under pressure. Yeah. It's a, it's applicable to everything really. You know, everything, you don't yeah. learn that stuff in a book. So but, but um, this is run on the sense of near panic at all times. right? Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, exactly how rescue is because we, we're right, not in control totally. of anything. It's live uh, similar to your old job, Amy, it's live animals. You know, we don't work nine to five because we can't control when a cat's going to need to go to a vet or all sorts of things. So it's it, it it's so similar to being on the road because it takes up your entire life and where, where being on the road was your entire life. You didn't have a life outside of touring. Um, so cat rescue or any rescue, anyone that works in the rescue field of any animal will say the same thing. It really is it absorbs your entire life and it's, it's challenging, but it's definitely worth it. And I, I would never, I would not take back that, that day when DJ asked me back and I said yes without even thinking about it for a second. Cause. And were you it, trying to get to Asbury, Jamie, or, you know, we make yeah. up all the time that, that it's breakup or bankruptcy, which is the main yeah. reason yeah. people come to Asbury. I, I, I was myself. not, I was, I was not breaking up with anyone except my career. Um, so I, I had been visiting, I came here first in 2009 and I had such a great time and then I didn't come back for a couple of years, but then I pretty much from 2013 until I moved here in 2017, I was coming here multiple times a year. Um, I think in 2014 or 15, I stayed the entire summer and every time I left, I felt like I was leaving home rather than going back back to home and I just I've had a lot a big circle of friends um already here and I just was like I don't want to tour anymore this I feel like I found where I'm meant to be because touring you don't you lose that aspect of having a a home Uh, you know I was always living on the road so I if I retired from touring I didn't want to go back to my like childhood home or you know back to the past I wanted to do something new I knew if I just went back to my boring old suburban life I would be back on the road again in three months because I would be bored. <laughs> um, so moving across the world took away being bored. <laughs> and now saving cats is definitely not boring. I, I think that sounds not like for Australians, that's kind of normal. You know, when I used to travel, yeah, everywhere I went, there were Australians who were sort of trying on another country. Yeah, you know, because, it's crazy because we have the best country in the world, even though you yeah. guys think you do. But <laughs> we, all, we all like to get away from it every well, now so, and but again. But it's so far away, you don't just travel yeah. for a week; you go for like no. a year. 
Like it's, yeah. uh, it took so long yeah. to get here. I'm just going to stay for the year or yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. My mom no. keeps saying to me, why what, well, pre COVID was, why haven't you come back to visit yet? I'm like, I, I used to get paid to do that flight. Unless you're going to pay me to do that flight. I ain't ever doing that again. <laughs> unless unless I get deported. <laughs> That's 24 hours, right? It, yeah, it's longer with all the like the the oh, you know you have to get off at LA and then yeah it's horrible I, I don't miss that part of my job. Yeah, I think all. it's eighteen hours direct from L. If you can get a direct from the West Coast, it's eighteen hours from the West Coast. So you have to factor yeah. in from here to the West Coast and however long your layover is. Yeah. So so I want to talk about uh, a couple things, but and and I said this on the other podcast. Um, the problem I think when businesses announce even a physical closure, kind of like you guys did, you get people like me who want to describe how sad it is for me, right? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Similar to like showroom. Like I remember calling the showroom and being like, I love movies. I saw the first time I ever saw lesbians was in the movies. And oh my God, this is like death to me that you're closing. And and I, and I think I said it to you guys before, your physical store that you're closing, that uh, by memory, my son went to school at... Um, on Grand and Cookman at, oh God, now I'm forgetting the name of the school. Jesus, I don't remember. But it was, a it was I don't know, whatever they take before pre-K. And we used to walk <laughs> by your store and then the cats would come behind the, the, the curtain that was there. And it was like very invested, like in my life, right? That we would walk down Cookman and do it. So, so can we talk a little bit about 2017 and just getting opening? And, and I'm again, apologizing, knowing that you busted your balls that period of time. And it wasn't, yes. I hope you all know that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, okay. I mean, the short version is, so Jamie was on board. Um, we, you know, we hired an attorney and worked on getting her a visa and sponsoring that and doing all that. And then um, I started. Cause you have I to get a like work. a work visa. Do you have to get like yes. a work visa? Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, and the, and the Catsbury sponsors it and she can't work for anybody else. And if, if, you know, if Catsbury ever I'm goes under, <laughs> under, she has to, she has to leave the country. She can't her stay in the United States is tied to the fact that she has a job with this one particular company. Well, unless so anyone wants whole, to marry me, uh, I just, yeah. just, just bring that out there. <laughs> that, was a whole, that was a whole thing. And then we found the location and um, you know, we don't need to get into the details, but we ran into some zoning issues. So things took a while at this time I was still living in San Francisco. Honestly, like if the, the full picture is the, the original intention of Catsbury park was that, Jamie would run it and do it as a full-time job. And I was still going to live in San Francisco most of the year. Um, oh yeah. I forgot I, about that. I, yeah, me too. That I, never happened. I, didn't, I didn't mention that the other day because I forgot about it. The, the idea was that I would live in San Francisco from uh, September to April, like I was doing in Asbury from April to the September, the summer. Um, I was doing that for a couple of years. Um, crazy to think that I even thought that that was possible because why would, why would I start something super cool and then just not be there, you know? Um, and then situation in my life changed and I wound up staying in Asbury anyway, and it, it all worked out for the best. But, um, I was in San Francisco and Jamie basically stayed here for like almost a year, like being the general contractor, making sure the place got laid out and she hired about, or interviewed about 500 
people we, yeah, because we, we had nothing else to do. We, we were just getting roadblocks everywhere and we put the word out that we were looking for volunteers and staff. And mind you, we only wanted like one or two staff members. And I, we literally got about 500 applications and I was like, oh, no. And I'm like, well, this is a good way to meet everybody. So I scheduled like... 30 or 40 interviews a day for five or six days in a row. Don't ever do that out there if you're hiring. That's too many interviews in one week. Um, and, and this I, was staff to run the cafe to the help The cafe with the, and help okay. with the cats. And okay. I literally interviewed everyone that applied pretty much. And that was an interesting week. Met a lot of <laughs> interesting Asbury and surrounds people and some of them, went on to become some of our most valued and beloved volunteers and employees. So it was, it was, yeah, we were just doing whatever we could to keep the momentum going and, and fill in the time while we were waiting for permits or whatever the, the holdup was at that time. I think it was permits back then. And you um, were building out the space. Yeah. We, you I, been- I had the, I had the interviews. Uh, we, we, the A-frames were up where the walls and stuff were going to go, but that was it. We were waiting on the next permit. So I had the interviews on a fold-out table and two plastic chairs in the middle of a uh, building building site. It was probably not and very it, I think safe, it, it, should be no, it should also be noted that we didn't mention last time, um, but because we are on the Asbury pod, that uh, Porkchop and Brad Hopper built the entire space. Oh, my yep. God. Oh, wow. Yep. So I've known Pork, and, and me, I've, I I've known Chop and Brad. What was that? <laughs> and me, I helped. Yeah, so I was I've their known assistant Brad and, and Chop forever since you know early days at the lanes, and you know Brad Hoffer um, actually used to own the building that Catsbury is in in the nineties, and then he sold it to the current owner. So I thought that it was for like probably very, pennies, and now yeah. it's probably yeah. worth, he made you know. he made he made a ton of money, but. You and know, now he was just, but, but for yeah. what he sold it for, you know, it's like you pay it right. forward. But I just thought it was like kind of there was still some get... of his stuff in the basement. He was, yeah. we were searching around the basement. He's like, Hey, this is mine. And <laughs> it was, it was quite funny. But so, yeah, yeah so they Chop, did, they did, they did the build out. And um, yeah, and then Pop Chop and Brad in, were a great team. We opened in September of uh, 2017. And then so a lot uh, of fanfare, I feel like. We did. Yeah. We did. We had, we had, we put, we put reservations up. Um, I think it was a, a week before we actually opened and I'll never forget what like refreshing. And then I was like, DJ, 200 people have already booked. I was like, Oh God, this is going to be amazing. Oh my God. Oh my God. And yeah, the first day we just had a line out the door the entire day. And it was, it was so overwhelming, but so exciting. And it was a good, um, good way to start. Um, our journey of being open. It was long awaited. I think because DJ had done such a good job of starting the social media really early. So we had, we had already had a way to talk to people and tell people what we were doing and why it was taking so long and um, what, what, what we were working on rescue wise leading up to it. So people already cared about us before we even opened. So that was really helpful. So it, 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 Everybody was excited, not just us. Could we describe the space for people who had not been to Catsbury? So when you walked in, you had on a sort of glassed enclosure on the left-hand side with, with cats which, who were all up for adoption. 
right? That's yeah. correct. Yep. So basically, the space was twenty is twenty five hundred square feet, give or take, um, and it was twelve hundred square feet of uh, cat lounge, which is where the cats hang out and live, and twelve hundred square feet of cafe. Um, so patrons could come in and just buy a coffee and sit at the counter and watch the cats play on the other side of the glass in the room, or we charged a do- donation fee that went to our nonprofit um, to go and spend time uh, with the cats. So it, it worked out well for, um, you know, we got a lot of customers, families, couples who one person was al- allergic, but the other person wanted to come. So, you know, families that have one kid that's really allergic, but the other two kids love cats and can't have them. So, you know, the dad can take in the two kids and they can play with cats for an hour and the mom can sit outside the room and watch the other kids play with the other son and buy him a cupcake or, you know, that kind of, that wasn't really the thought going in, but it really, it it worked out like pretty well, like with that situation, that dynamic as well. Um, And all the cats that live in the space are, are rescued by us. We either pull them from, overcrowded shelters or we go out on the streets and rescue them when people call us and say there's a cat in my yard. Um, or a hundred cats then, in my yard. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and then they come and live with us and it's essentially, it's a cage free adoption center. So, um, and the cats are there until they're adopted and we're, we commit to um, the cats until their home is Catsbury park until they have a new home. However long and, that may be. You are a no kill shelter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so the, so we opened in September of 2017 and then until we closed for COVID in March 20, 2020, we had done over over 600 adoptions in that short amount of time, which was far, far surpassed what we ever, ever imagined that we, I think we were like, maybe we could do a hundred a year or some, it was something like that, but then we soon found out that we could do a lot more and it was, it was incredible. And we still to this day are in touch with a lot of our adopters, especially the, a lot of the ones in the early, our first few groups where, you know, they, they've mean a lot to us because they were our first rescues in that. I mean, they all mean a lot to us. I don't want anyone to feel left out. Um but it's yes, it's a lot. It's it's over six hundred lives changed forever um, in that in that space. So it was pretty emotional making the decision to close that chapter. But I think I know, I know we talked about this in the in the last one. Um, it was it's definitely a decision that's um, been hard, but it's definitely going to be for the right. It's for the right reasons, and we're not giving up what we're doing. We're just closing a storefront and. Um, There'll be another storefront when the time's right. And in the meantime, we're out there rescuing and fostering and adopting and TNRing and educating and um, being active members in the CAC community and supporting our other local rescues and shelters. And um, there's, there's so much work still to be done even without the cafe. So it's... Yeah, and thank you. Just to- can just like from because from the time you got the cat to the time you brought it in the shelf into the into the space like how quickly or how long was did that time could that time frame be like I mean there's no real there's no definitive answer for that it it depends so um you know an, an example of one way cats may wind up in the cafe is that Jamie and I will go to Tinton Falls Humane or uh, Mammoth SPCA or whatever shelter that we um, 
have kind of like worked with. And if they know that if they're overcrowded or if there's, they, they stumble upon a hoarding situation, a ton of animals and they can't take them all in that they can always call us. And if we have space and oftentimes, even if we don't have space, you know, we'll take some to kind of alleviate the pressure off them. Um, and if the cats are coming directly from one of those shelters and we know a reputable shelter that we work with, and we know that they've had all their vaccines, they've already, you know, been spayed and neutered and all that, then, you know, those cats can pretty much come right into the, uh, the space. Um, but then, you know, there's other cats, somebody, somebody calls us or emails us that there's six kittens under their shed that are three weeks old. Um, you know, those cats, they're not suitable for the cafe. So we need to get them and get them healthy, get them in a foster home, get them socialized, get them spayed and neutered, get them up to date on their vaccines. And that can take months before they would even possibly be ready for the cafe. We don't bring any cats into the cafe um, that aren't fully vaccinated and or spayed and neutered. So, um, so that depends, you know, cause all of the cats essentially at the cafe are take home ready. I mean, I don't like that term when you're talking about a living <laughs> being, but you know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah, they're right. if you come in and meet a cat and the situation is right and we're not super busy and we can, you know, go through your application, you can leave with the cat that day. Um, and were and there then, people who came in, not, not necessarily looking for a cat, but left with a cat. All the time. Yes. Yeah. Often. And Not that necessarily kind of, left that day, yeah. but they would fall in love and put in an application. And, and then we would be like, you sure that wasn't an impulse an impulse purchase? And they're like, oh, no, come, we haven't come, stopped thinking about it. Or come back the next day and say, I haven't stopped thinking about this cat. Or yeah. come back with their, their partner and say, I went home and I haven't stopped talking about this cat. So now we're both here. And, um, and we've had dog people that came with their girlfriend for a date, thought they were doing the nice thing. And they're, they're the ones that fall in love with the cat and are adopting the cat and their girlfriends are oh my God, this is amazing. You've turned him into a yeah, cat I man. Mean, that's <laughs> kind of the, the whole thought process for me behind even just opening Casbury Park is that, I mean, all the shelters are, are full and overrun and they can use any of the help they can get, but also that, um, you know, people don't go to, you, none of us would go to a shelter on a Saturday afternoon for fun, right? I would never call you up, Amy. What are you guys doing on Saturday? You and your son want to meet me at the Let's SQ go stand. see animals at like the worst walk, stage walk, circling their cages until- Yeah, they, walk yeah. around. It's, it's like not yeah. a fun thing to do, right? So like the only people who are adopting animals through the shelter are people who go there with the intention of adopting. Like you don't go there just for fun, right? But- I looked at it like what we can do is we can provide a little bit of respite for the shelters that are overrun. And then we can also provide a cage free environment for cats that are suited for such environments, but that might get overlooked in a shelter situation. And also we've had so many people adopt that were maybe cat people, but wouldn't have adopted that weekend because they wouldn't have went to the shelter, but they came in for something fun to do. And then met a cat that would have totally been overlooked at the shelter if they were seen at all. But they, because of our kind of fun environment, they were able to meet this cat and that cat got a home because of it. Because we never, we very rarely in the cafe had kittens or young cats. We tried to focus on more like Hard to adopt, they're called. That yeah, we hard to, to adopt. I mean, if you go to a shelter, if you go to the Monmouth County SPCA, they have 300 cats, right? And half of them are under a year, which everyone wants. 
And then there's the ones that are the beautiful calico and the Siamese. But then there's the four-year-old tabby. That's a really sweet cat, but is in a cage. So it's not like over, it's not doing anything to get your attention. It looks like every other cat. So when you're going through basically an assembly line of cats on a wall, you're going to walk past that cat every time. But if you, that cat comes to our space where we only have 20 and they're all hard to adopt or just kind of average cats, <laughs> they kind of can stand out and, and, and be themselves. And also we tried to mimic our environment. I mean, it doesn't obviously, unless you live in my house, but it, you know, it mimics <laughs> what your living room would look like in a way. Right. So cats, the way the cat acts in Catsbury Park, for the most part, is how the cat's going to act when you get it home. If you adopt a cat from a three by three square to shelter, you don't know how that cat's going to act when it has a whole house to run around in and tables and chairs and all these sort of things. Right. And other cats around if you have other cats. So, um, you know, not every cat is suited for Catsbury Park, but the, the ones that are, um, I think really show better. Again, I don't like to say show cause it makes you feel like a, like a, like a breeder or something. It's not that, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it just, we get, try and give cats a chance that aren't getting a chance. And I can't tell you, I mean, Jamie can attest to this, how many times we went to Tinton Falls in, in uh, Humane Society and pulled five or six cats. You know, one of the women that worked there are like, oh, this cat's super sweet and it's been here six months and nobody ever looks at it. We bring it to Catsbury and in a week it's adopted. You know, I was going to say like one thing about humane. So I volunteered in humane and was eventually banned from humane society. Um, <laughs> and again, like, so you, so all my dogs are rescues in a pit. And the thing about going to SPCA a little less with the, with the Monmouth County um, ASPCA, yeah. because they have a beautiful structure. Yes. But when you went yeah. to, and my dogs are all from humane. Cause I know what humane is like when you walk into humane, you have to prepare Right. You and do. you are not yeah. walking out of there without a animal of some sort. Yeah. So yeah. I think what you were saying, DJ, like that, that you provided you, that you did, that you and Jamie did not require that level of like, okay, I'm going to go into this really tough place and I'm going to, you know, like every yeah. dog I have was, is a biter, which was going to get put down. Yeah. Or I had the ones that circle in the um, kennel and they circle, 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 which is the beginning of the end. We so basically... We basically took that job upon ourselves for everybody that's adopted from us. We went and did the hard thing and, and looked at the faces that we couldn't take and read the stories and read the kennel cards that said that they've been there for over a year. And, you know, we, and we're, we were the ones that take that step so that other people can come and just do the fun stuff and adopt. And that's a huge obstacle step. I think, yeah. I think yeah. the idea of people walking into a cafe and having some tea and seeing cats and walking into a place like the humane society are two drastically different yeah. experiences. And yeah. like kudos to you both for, for creating the environment where you're not like, okay, let me get myself together to get in there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's and another wonderful thing about Catsbury park that I didn't, I don't think I had um, anticipated is that, you know, our, our work is hard. Jamie said, you know, um, Amy, you can attest to this from your previous job. Like compassion fatigue is a real thing, you know, and it can, it can beat you down. And we get that a lot. Cats die, cats get sick. Like we see some, awful stuff sometimes, you know, um, and have to deal with some tough things and make some tough decisions from time to time. But overall, we created a place where not a single person walks in in a bad mood and nobody leaves in a bad mood. 
If you come to Cadbury Park, everyone who walks through the door has a smile on their face because if you took the effort to come there, you obviously like cats and you're so excited to be there. That's my dog. Except for that one. <laughs> except for that one man that walked in holding his nose that time, thinking the place is going to stink like cats in the cafe, and he walked in with his hand on his nose and was making a big scene and really didn't want to be there, but he's dragged by his family. Oh it, from well, I, I'll tell the story that, <laughs> so I was in there with my son who was like pitching such a fit and I don't even remember why. <laughs> and you took him in the back, Jamie, and you showed him kittens and, and it literally made him back to being his lovely self. I remember he, he went from really pouty and, and crying to like bright eyed and like, starry eyed and, and it's like, like oh, it happens like just, this like you know yeah. like what the <laughs> just happened that you went from like being a lovely child to you're now yeah. Yeah. I, I um, but i wanted to of- oh. i wanted to just touch on one thing with that dj brought up and for you jamie because i've obviously watched you on instagram over the years i've yep. seen the struggle with the bottle fed kittens and you, you talked about the fatigue. And I, I think people see Catsbury, they see this amazing cafe. They see the both of you in your cat sweatshirts with your six cats. You, like they see all of that. And maybe they don't get to see the fatigue, the no. calls at yeah, 2 a.m. that you're getting cats, the yeah. bottle fed cats that you you aren't able to save, even though you're able to save yeah. so many. Yeah. So do you uh, want to I, talk about that a little? Yeah, sure. It's definitely, um, it. there is a whole side to rescue work that a lot of people don't even realize. A lot of people think that a kitten just comes all fluffy and cute and ready to adopt. They don't realize the the two months of hard work that has gone into it before we the kittens are ready to come or they don't get, like we were saying with the shelter, they don't see all the other cats that we can't save and pro- might get put down. And we, we take on a lot of that in the Compassion fatigue is, it's very, it's a very real thing. Something that in 2020 with COVID and everything that was going on, um, I definitely struggled with a lot because I took on too much and was fostering way too many kittens that were sick at one time. And um, over, you know, a six week period, I had about 15 kittens die in my care, not all at once, but over that six to eight week time. And it was too much. And I had to have a little break and, that, Jamie, that your mic is hitting it. your sweatshirt, so just oh, care. sorry. Can, yeah, that's okay. Try and sit still. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. so it it it's not all it, with the cafe. It was you would have I would go in, in there with my game face on and always be happy and and light and airy and stuff like that. So I do miss having that space to to be able to meet with other cat lovers and talk about all the fun things about cats. And then uh, so 2020 was difficult because I didn't have that outlet. I was just home all the time with the sick kittens. It was, yeah, it was a lot. And I, and I, every rescuer that I speak to that does the, what me and DJ do all had exa- very similar experiences last year. Cause we, you know, we're all, no one could get together. We couldn't share our burdens like we had in previous years. So it was a rough, it was a rough time for rescues and I, it's, the, the one thing that we're, we're really lucky to have, even when it's really rough, we can go on to our social media and instantly it's always heartwarming because we get so many amazing messages and comments and people just encouraging us and supporting us all the time. And we, I, I couldn't do it without that, with that support. And I, I think Asbury Park is just an, a phenomenal area of 
really amazing people that love to support other people, whether it's cat, cat cafes or the, you know, the local art galleries and food restaurants and all that kind of stuff. We're very lucky to live in uh, such a, a kind spirited community. Uh, you know, I want to move forward into some of the more, so the hard part is, is bottle feeding, right. And getting you know, and that's a lot, a lot of the hard part is, is waking up every two hours for days right. and weeks you on mentioned end. This last time, it's just like 24 <laughs> hour job. Yeah. But then yeah. moving I mean, when they get into the cafe and go out and go, go to a forever home. Yeah. These are pretty good stories. And DJ, we talked about this last time. Very few people just have one cat, right? They, they, they don't, yeah. breathe. they sort of proliferate. Like, so they attract other cats. So we have two, this is our third adoption. We have two, one uh, passed from FIP, but um, you know, Rita's cousin fosters uh, a lot of cats, but now has 10 foster fails. Like yeah, <laughs> she's kept them on. And so, but you, you had an interesting stat, right? The average cat person had like a 2.3 cats. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we, when we were doing the convention, you know, I started digging into some, you know, marketing analytics and all that kind of boring square stuff. Um, <laughs> and in, in doing that, um, dealing with advertisers and things like that, I realized that, you know, the way the cat market is actually a bigger market than the dog market. You think more people have dogs. So, which is true, more people, more homes have a dog in it than a cat, but everyone who has a cat has multiple cats. So Too funny. Um, you know, and the other thing I, I, first dogs and cats, it's like, if you have a dog, everyone knows you have a dog because it's impossible to have a dog and not know it, it leaves the house with you often. Right. Like my cats never leave the house with me, but yes, it's like 2.3 or two, 2.2 and a half or whatever it is. Um, cats per home in a home that has a cat. So if there's a home with a cat, they definitely have two. They probably have three. <laughs> or they're, they're threatening to have three. Oh, there's yeah. some people like I, I don't have. I don't have a. Uh, speaking of which, I don't have yeah. a uh, source. A source for that statistic. So uh, that's that's right. We don't. Oh, have, no footnotes on this podcast. We will not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we we also do generational planning with cats. Like, so Rita and I have like two cats who are like nine. And we're like, we should, we should start thinking about a kitten to sort of raise generation two. Yeah. You know, they could that's to be... a really good point because a lot of people don't think about that. I think this, we touched on this last time yeah. and you know, we've had seniors come in and want to adopt some of our younger cats. And I've had in a nice, polite, but firm way, I do reject <laughs> senior applicants for young cats. Most of the time, um, there has been some caveats where, you know, and they have a, a, do- a younger daughter that lives with them mm-hmm. or is willing to take over the responsibilities should anything happen. But generally, I try and encourage people to think about that and think about the cat is not just for today. It's not just for the year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for t- possibly 20 years of your life and you have to be thinking forward to that and making sure you can provide for the cat for that I long. I also don't, don't like, and I've, and we said this before, like I look at your Instagram and think I don't want kittens. I don't ever, ad- I had a puppy once I, that yeah. I rescued as well. It was a pointer mix. So it had energy out the kazoo. My favorite yeah. dog that, that interestingly enough died in the elevator of the Santander. Oh, oh my God. I remember age. that. Yeah. Yeah. Died in the elevator. Of the yeah. Santander. Anyway, shout out to the Santander. So, um, so People I don't get- like, 
People no, get very I don't caught, like caught puppies up and kittens. Like I, yeah. I'm such like a, I would never get a puppy or kitten again in a million years. I would always yeah. get an older cat, but I get that people. People get very attracted to what kittens and puppies. I mean, we all do. And, you know, baby, most people are attracted to how cute babies are and all that kind of stuff. It's natural. That's, I totally get that. But you, I, I'm very honest with people when they're like, I, I want to get a kitten. And I'm like, okay, how much do you love your furniture? How much do you love your sleep? All the things, because no matter how good we socialize them and get them ready to, for adoption, they're still going to be annoying for at least a, a good another six months to a year. And that's why we also adopt kittens in pairs because together they cause less havoc in your oh, human existence. You, you do raise yeah. a point about uh, a good point that people have to keep in mind. I think it's less so with dogs. Dogs are not as long lived as cats. And yeah, so we don't think of dogs as very rarely do you, do you have a dog that's 20 years old or more. You exactly. could have a 20 year old yeah. cat. You uh, can. I had a, yeah. I had DJ a, has uh, one right now. Yeah. I, I had a parrot. <laughs> um, and I don't, I, you know, as I, I bought a parrot, you know, or a cockatiel when I wasn't, I didn't understand birds. Yeah. Now as an adult, I was like, I would never buy a bird. Like you could buy a parrot that could live 75 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I had read that Winston Churchill's parrot just died. I'm like, or his, his macaw. And I'm like, <laughs> why was, why is it even legal to buy something that's going to live? Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. going to live you. But so you have to be mindful of that with these cats, you know, if you once you pass a certain age, they're gonna outlive. Yeah, uh, uh, DJ, this cat is ridiculous. And that one of he our, has big, no personal space with this one. <laughs> one of our biggest calls for help is people that have passed away and left behind their animals with no plan and no one in the family wants them. It's it's a really I don't want to use the the word epidemic because we've got enough epidemics and pandemics going on. Yeah. But it's a real problem and we are constantly taking uh, or trying to help people rehome cats that are, or, or the, the families are moving, the, the caretakers are moving to hospice or, you know, or nursing homes and stuff. It's a huge problem that a lot of people don't want to face up to, but we really. It, are- and big at human, when I was at Humane all the time, we would get dogs that, um, yeah. that were from pe- people who had passed away. And I'll say that I probably will never get a dog other than a pit, not be, first of all, I love pits. So, so don't, yeah. don't get me wrong on that, but <laughs> I will never get anything other than a pit because the amount of them that are put down. Yeah. Alone, yeah. I just, I just feel it. It's similar a little bit to what you were saying, DJ, like the cat that looks like every other cat that's been there two years. Like I I'll get that cat and I'll get the pit because I know that those two are overlooked, but I want to, I have to bump us to COVID a little bit. Um, yep. Because you guys have a very interesting story. Because not only did you close in March, you also closed in February. That's yeah, right. So we had we we had a cat come in um, in early February that wound up um, having ringworm. Um, which, for those listening that don't know what ringworm is, it's not a worm. It's a uh, <laughs> it's a rash essentially. Um, the problem with ringworm is humans can get it very easily. Um, you know, most sicknesses that animals have, you can't pass it to humans, but ringworm, it's very easily passed to humans. Um, and worse than that, it's almost impossible to rid a cat of it. Now, 
Amy, I think you said you got it once, right, from a dog? No, I, I've gotten ringworm from kids. No, I got it from kids. And yeah, the so kids diapers left a lot of lasting effects, including yeah, ringworm. So but <laughs> I did say that at Humane, when there was a ringworm outbreak, and I, hopefully they've changed now. I haven't, I haven't probably been there in 10 years. But when I was they there, euthanized they, they euthanized yeah. everything yeah. because of I mean, they've the definitely changed outbreak. since then. Then they have a different director and everything. I don't know what their policy is on that. I'm just saying in general. But um, yeah, and that being, but I'm saying, Amy, you can attest to this, that when a human gets ringworm, it's, you know, some cream and wash it and it annoying. goes away in a couple couple days. Yeah, at People most get it's it, annoying. You know, yeah. you, you know uh, jujitsu fighters get it, yoga teachers get it, you know, wrestlers get it in high school. It's not that big of a deal, but when an animal gets it, it gets under their fur and it's impossible to get rid of. It, they have to do Lyme baths, oral medicine, you know, for months. Yeah. Potentially. And this hits um, you guys in February. And this came in February. It's Valentine's it's, Day. Valentine's it's Day. So, yeah, Valentine's Day was so day romantic. Was happy Valentine's Day. That's very happy we had, fungus, we had, everybody. To, we had to assume that every cat had, well, every cat had been exposed, but we didn't know which ones were going to eventually test positive. So we had to close, basically throw every single thing out in the place every towel, every, you know, pillowed surface that deep clean we were in there with gas masks on and like sprayers with like back when you can still grade, get masks easily yeah, <laughs> medical grade uh sprayers like spraying everything and then we had to bathe all 20 of the cats in like 27 27 sulfur dip and like and cats don't like baths i was gonna say no. anybody who's listening to uh this that has a cat imagine trying to bathe your cat 27 times so we had to close for an entire month so fast forward to the first week in March, COVID becomes the thing that people are talking about. And we're just getting ready to reopen. We had picked the weekend of, I don't know, 8th or 9th or... It was the weekend right before week? St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it was this weekend. I was going to say, yeah. so we closed down this weekend. Last, Asbury yeah. Park, today's closed down. This yeah. It's Sunday now, but it was Sunday a year ago. So tomorrow... Yeah. It all yep. began, and and St. Patrick's Day was shortly within this ballpark. Yeah, it yeah. Was, so the yeah. weekend before St. Patrick's Day, we had um, scheduled to reopen, and we did a like supporter appreciation weekend where visits and everything was half off, and we took a bunch of um, reservations because, like we said, you know our support is amazing, and people knew what a hardship it was for us to be closed for a month. LOL, closed for a month. <laughs> um, all right, Tony. No point. And, uh, yeah, and um, some R and R. Yeah, we, were, we, we were booked the whole weekend, and and Saturday we were really busy. And I remember having a conversation with Jamie, and Jamie was like, "I'm getting some messages from my friends, and they're saying this, and CNN said this, and you know." I, I, I did not. And, I, I did not think we should be open. And, and um, Jamie's like, I was, "We got to close." I was all I could think about was somebody was going to get COVID in that small little cat room, and that was going to weigh on on my conscience that somebody was going to get it in my space, and I, I was like, well, we can't do this, even though it wasn't even at yeah. that stage yet. I was and already this is the like, first week in March. We didn't even really know yeah. what COVID was, but and I remember her freaking out and me saying like, we're almost sold out tomorrow. Sunday's a half day. We're only we're all limited hours on Sundays. I was like, you just stay home. I'll come in and deal with it. Like with the past months that if we were opened normally, we would have just closed, but because we were closed for an entire month and that we built up this big weekend, I was like, I, I, 
I don't know. And you have rent to pay. You have an obscene rent on Cookman Abbey. You have to pay. And also it's just like, you know, I think I worry about this sort of stuff too much, but it's like, you know, do do you want to do that to your customer and supporter? They didn't want to let anyone down, which I I mean, like, have to make all the cancellations. Like, is that, are people going to think that we're doing something messed up? Like, is that going to ruin our reputation? Just all those things are going through my head. And also it's like, well, we're definitely going to close next week because of this COVID thing. Like, and we like, let's try and make a little bit of money if we can, you know, which sounds crappy to say now knowing what COVID became, but that was just the thing. And then, you know, we were open Saturday and Sunday and then we closed again on, on Monday. So um, we've essentially been closed since February 14th, Valentine's uh, day, <laughs> other than those two, those two days. Um, and, and take COVID us through hit. the closure. Yeah. Uh, so DJ COVID and, hit, like- and then we're at that Monday and then, you know, there started to be some of the, you know, the COVID press conferences every day and they're saying it's going to be 14 days. And like, and, and like you said, Amy, you closed, you closed down Asbury before. It, before yeah, we the state closed Asbury down before the state. And that yeah. was partly because nobody, you know, people, it wasn't so much residents, but, you know, people were going to Watermark and yeah. not being uh, respectful of the staff there yeah. or yeah. Jimmy's or, and it was like, yeah. I remember thinking that out. too. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, no one's paying attention. There's, it, we had, you know, 20 people crammed in that spot. And I'm like, no one's caring. Ah, this yeah, is not and good. It was like, you know, <laughs> then you started to see these reports from Italy and Spain and places where like there's whole cities in Italy where like the National Guard is on the street and you legitimately can't leave your house. Yeah. And I didn't know. Nobody knew if we were headed towards that as well. And I'm like, we've got 27 cats on Cookman Avenue that need to be fed at least once a day should be checked on multiple times a day. Litters need to be scooped and filled and all that sort of stuff. So we put it out on our social media that we needed to find immediate homes for temporary homes for these 26, 27 cats that we had. And it was um, St. Patrick's day Tuesday that I went to the cafe and met, you know, 20 different people there. Um, I was literally on the emails and the phone texting you, don't leave, don't leave. There's another one coming. Don't leave. Someone else is coming now. You're still there. Getting all the applications. (laughs) And it was amazing the the response that we got from people that, you know, support us. You know, so many people, probably probably about 20 people, a couple people took one or two cats. Um, But there was, you know, a small handful of people who showed up and were like, just tell me which cat I need to take. I want to help you out. Like, I don't even care. Like, you know, some people were like, let me meet all the cats and pick which one I I like. And that's fair. (laughs) But you know, there were, there was other people who just came. Um, I remember a girl, this is a funny story, a girl that I went to high school with that I was kind of friendly with in high school, but hadn't spoke to since she has since moved up here. She lives in Ocean Grove now and she followed Catsbury and I didn't even know and reached out to me and said, I want to help you guys out. Like, I'll come by. I live around the corner. Like I can take a cat. She walked in and she was like one of the last people there. So she got like the leftovers, you know, (laughs) and um, she took this cat, Dimitri, that was like a year old. He wasn't super friendly. He was kind of shy. He wasn't like aggressive, but he was just shy. And she's like, I'll just take that one. I was like, well, you know, because I had like a personal relationship with her on some level. I was like, just so you know, he's not like, you know, that he's not going to be like, a sweet lap cat or whatever. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'll just take them. Like barely even looked at them. We're just like, I just want to help you out. Put them in a carrier. I'll take them home. And then, you know, within six months she was messaging me like, 
he's my best friend. I, I, I'm adopting Aww. him forever. And she, you know, she texts me pictures all the time. She put on her social media the other day, a photo of him like sleeping on her face. And he like, you know, it was meant to be too, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So since that day, since St. Patrick's day of last year, there hasn't been a cat living in Catsbury at all. Uh, and we've been doing everything foster based. So take us through. So you spend a year not having the cafe open. Nothing's open. Let's be honest, quite frankly, for a year. And you're able to actually rescue more cats. Yeah. yeah. So it's, well, your rescue's up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? So so when we were so busy with the cafe, um, we didn't really do any fostering. We didn't uh, we didn't try to. We didn't try it. I mean, it's a whole separate well, we did. thing. I mean, we did fostering personally, but we didn't have a foster program. Yeah, but we program. didn't try and grow other a foster network. Foster- we didn't yeah. try and grow a foster network. It's a lot It's a lot of work. And on top of what we were doing, I mean, there's only two of us, really. It's, you know, it's one person's full-time job at the Monmouth SPCA to be the foster coordinator and deal with all the cats and who's where and who needs a vaccine and, you know, applications and vetting and all that sort of stuff. So we, we just didn't, frankly, didn't have the time for it. So when the cafe was open, we were limited to the 20 to 25 cats that could be in the space at a time. And when we were full, we were full. Couldn't really do much more rescue work unless Jamie took one or two home temporarily, or I did. When you open it to foster, and now we're both home and not, I don't want to say burdened, but not um, consumed by running the cafe. I mean, we can place cats in as many foster homes as we have. So the more people that want to foster and help out, we can actually help more cats doing that than we could the cafe. Um, so we were able to, I mean, Jamie would know better um, in terms of numbers, but we were able to take in and get placed way more cats um, than we would have with the cafe. That's not to say that, oh, this is better than having the cafe, but it's just like, you know, we made the best. It's just a dip, situation. yeah. It's what we were doing at the cafe was very important, like we were saying, for the harder to adopt cats, but we could, you know, we aren't able to do that right now. So we pivoted and now we're helping cats that need urgent foster homes. Um, and then, of course, kittens when it's kitten season. Um, and then also with our time, we've been, we were able to get a whole bunch of traps and start helping. Um, TNR in, in Monmouth County and surrounds, which was something that we absolutely didn't have time for before or the equipment. And we were able to raise some money when COVID first started and buy the, buy the stuff that we needed. Well, some of the stuff that we needed and, um, and TNR means trap yeah, and release, right? Trap new to release. And I think mm. we, we stopped counting when we got over 200 and something TNR cats. So it was like, we we're like, we don't even need to count this anymore. This is, this is just too 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 many. We don't have to worry about how what if we're helping or not because we definitely are. We got over two hundred TNR, and this we've probably done four hundred since then. And I think our foster program took in. Uh, yeah, I can't even i I can't even remember. I, I personally took in fifty something kittens during the kittens COVID kitten season, and I so I think we did well over a hundred. 150 kittens this year. One thing I think people don't understand is the cost of rescuing. So, mm-hmm. you know, just again, as somebody who volunteered at the Humane Society, uh, everything from the TNR, uh, the, 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 the traps that you need, the obscene vet bills, rent on the space, keeping the space clean. I mean, you know, what, 
the the tremendous amount of blood, sweat, tears, and money that goes into these. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's which brings us to where we're at now. Ultimately, the decision to give up the space for the time being um, was not because you know we don't want to have a space or any of that sort of stuff. It's just like. You know, where, as we stand right now, our business model essentially is to put 15 to 20 people in a small room with a bunch of cats for an hour. Like, that's not <laughs> a smart thing to do right now. And it probably won't be for, I couldn't imagine doing that and feeling good about it before the end of fall or winter, right? So that's six to eight months. Now, Amy, you brought up a good point. The cost involved in all this is extremely high. By giving up the space, you know, that gives us the funds to be able to help so many more cats. We're, we're, we're only able to help as much as we can afford to help. Um, you know, when it's kitten season and, and we're, we're in, in the thick of it, I mean, I'll trap 18 hours a day. Jamie will foster as many cats as she can fit in her apartment and we can find homes for them and, and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, you, you run out of money to do all of it. Um, the, uh, the simplest, cheapest rescue that we can do is, you know, somebody sends us a message and said, there's a feral cat in my backyard and I go out and trap it. That's a hundred dollars to have that cat spayed and neutered and vaccined and then released back to where it is. Somebody calls me and says, there's a mama cat and seven kittens in my backyard. Well, that's the hundred dollars to get the mama spayed and vaccinated before she's released. But each one of those kittens needs food and a course of vaccines and months in, you know, in a uh, foster care. And they're and always sick. Stuff. And yeah, which and, and costs, kittens, uh, costs you know, so much money, <laughs> you know, each kitten can be a thousand dollars a piece to get from found in a yard this big to that sweet cat that was just sitting on my lap to adoption. You know, that's a thousand dollars a cat roughly, you know, and that's not taking into consideration, you know, one in 10 that have like a serious medical issue that needs, you know, a lot of vet care. So, you know, if we're, if, if this and this year, is DJ, this, even with even with the help of a place like City by the Sea. Who's oh, absolutely. You, this is help with City by your... the Sea. This is this is, you know, there's a couple um, low cost spay and neuter clinics in the state that work with nonprofits. So, you know, if you found a kitten in your yard off the street and you brought it to your vet, that's a three or four hundred dollar surgery. But there's places where I can take it that it's, you know, seventy five or a hundred because of our nonprofit status and we're an established rescue, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you know, if we save a hundred, you know, a hundred kittens this year, that's ten, twenty thousand dollars in vet bills to get those cats suitable for adoption. And the, and the adoption fee is, you know, $125. So it's, it, you know, yeah. <laughs> we don't make a good return on our investment. Yeah, people, people, <laughs> yeah. The return on investment is very bad. Um, people, people scoff at adoption fees sometimes and those people you know we tend not to adopt to but you know they did the a, they, thing, they did that at humane all the time like if you yeah. don't have two hundred dollars how are you buying this dog yeah it's, it's yeah. It, you know that is certainly you know part of it but then it's also like okay we put in three months and twelve hundred dollars to get this animal to be healthy and the most friendly, cuddly animal, and you're worried about $150 to like, right. you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, 
But part of our job is to educate people about that. Like we we very much came into this uneducated about res- the rescue world, but over time we have become educated and part you know, definitely from from my my opinion is part of the uh, responsibility with with that education is to keep passing it on, and we we very much like to you know make sure that people are aware that there is a reason that we're constantly saying TNR, 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 trap, neuter, release, because the more TNR that is done, the less $1,500 kittens we'll have to pay for, you know? And one of the main things that you lost that I know I always admired um, and and had a great time at was the convention. I mean, that was yeah, a major, I mean, major event for you guys that nobody could have anything in, right now. It was a major event in terms of just like, you know, growing the name Catsbury Park, but also, I mean, it was a huge fundraiser for us. I mean, we've essentially operated at full scale for rescue related, you know, for the past year, but lost both all of our revenue sources. So we've, you know, relied solely on um, donations and the, you know, the few grants that were available, um, you know, through either, you know, um, Senator Gopal, you know, his grant was awesome and, and helpful and, and some of the ones that the, you know, the SBA had or whatever. But, um, you know, other than that, you know, we were able to and save that. And with no end in sight. I mean, there's no yeah. real end in sight. Yeah. And, that, and that's I, I, why I we totally had to make the it. decision. It wasn't, we, you know, before the summer, we were like, okay, we'll be able to open up after summer. And then we weren't. And then we were like, okay, well, hopefully by the winter. And then, you know, winter is here. And then we both got COVID and we were like, okay, now we're better. And it's the new year and we still can't open. This is just, this is ridiculous. We have to make the hard decision, but it, it, it's hard and it's sad that we don't get to say goodbye to Cookman Avenue with a great big party and, you know, all our customers and friends and Casper family, I like to call everybody, but there's going to be brighter times for all of us coming along the line. If, you know, if everything keeps going down the way it's supposed to with the vaccines and everyone's still practicing social distancing and wearing masks and all that, there is a brighter future for all of us. And one day that future will include a new storefront for us somewhere here in Asbury. Right, so. and I think we want to make sure you guys are alive and well, rescuing more than you did during the cafe. And how do people, you know, a couple of things. One, how do people get a hold of you? And two, what are things that people can do to help? The easiest so, way to get a hold of us yeah. is our social media. Social media. Um, we, we're, we're tied to our phones, especially during kitten season. So if you need help with, with your cat or, some, or you're looking to adopt, send us a direct message on there. Um, and if you're wanting to help us, the, the best way you can help us at the moment is we, we're, we're fine for supplies. I don't know if, you've, if some of your listeners might have uh, already be following us on social media. Today we donated a whole bunch of supplies because we don't have anywhere to store it anymore once we lose the storefront. Um, so we don't need supplies, but we definitely, as we've been saying, rescue is expensive. We definitely are always in need of donations. Um no donation is too small. Um, and the easiest way to do that is there's a link on our website, which is www.catsburypark.com. Um, and every penny that's donated goes towards TNRing our foster program. Um, and yeah, that's, 
the, we couldn't be more thankful for the amount of support that we've already had through 2020, but we need to keep make sure that it keeps coming in so that we can make a difference in 2021 because it's going to be another tough uh, kitten season out there because TNR uh, was down because of COVID. A lot of the clinics couldn't do TNR last year, which means that the population grew and we're going to be seeing the effects of that for the next couple of years. So we hope to be able to help by going out there and TNRing, but we need money to be able to do that. And can people still adopt from Casper Park? Absolutely. We, yep. we have, um, we're revamping our website at the moment. So soon there'll be one page with all of our adoptables like they used to be. But for now, we just post everything on social media. And if people are looking for a particular cat, if they contact us on social media, they can tell us what they're looking for and we can keep a lookout and help them find. Like we work directly with the other shelters and yeah, can easily Jamie pass them also, on. So, um, you know, when COVID first started and we were not doing a lot and Jamie wanted to uh, be proactive, like she always is um, kind of started a thing called perfect match. So because we have such a, we've built the Catsbury brand that people like it and want to adopt from us um, often because they think it's cool to adopt from Catsbury. And that's something that I'm proud of. They like our work and they like our mission. They like Jamie and I as people and all that sort of stuff. But oftentimes we don't have the cat that, fits your lifestyle or that you want. But um, Jamie just kind of took it on upon herself to start this program. I'm speaking on her bit. She can maybe uh, <laughs> talk about it a little bit more, but called Perfect Match, where you can fill out an application and we'll, um, once the website's back up, have that back up again. If you're looking to adopt and, you know, you're not really totally sure, you're not like, you don't see a cat on our website that stands out to you, but you can fill this out. And we have such a large reach with every shelter and rescue group you know, for a hundred plus mile radius that, you know, we can help facilitate that. And like I was saying earlier, like people don't want to go to the humane society, like for, it's not a fun thing to do. So, but we might know of a perfect cat that fits what you're working with or what you're interested in rather. Um, so yeah, like Jamie said, if, you know, if, and they people we can find that on on your website as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great, great. Yeah. And, and, and we always post our adoptables on our social media. But you know, like Jamie said, if if you're looking to adopt and you didn't see the one a cat that stood out to you on social media, you know, send us a message and say, hey, I'm interested in adopting. I'm thinking about adopting. Wherever you're at in the stage, and you know, we we can walk that you know walk you through that, and and you know, hopefully make a match. And if we can't. We know plenty of other people we can direct you to that may be able to help. And we're happy to do that as well. Well, thank you guys so much. And thank we'll put you. your stuff. Joe, you'll put their uh, handles at the end. Yeah. We'll add the, 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 the website, castawaypark.com and, um, and any other, our, any other links that I should. Our social media, In, yeah, Instagram, yeah. Instagram and yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks for doing thank this you. again. And Amy, thank you so much for taking good care of As Asbury Park through COVID. You've been, um, oh, I'm sure, you've, I'm sure it's been a, a hard year for you guys as well. Oh. And we appreciate all the work that you guys do. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. And to keep in touch with the good people from Catsbury Park, you can find them at www.catsburypark.com and on Instagram at, at Park.